0: One. Hello and welcome to the Property Roundup on Property Radio with myself, Carol Talon. The show where we chat to industry experts to get a view on new trends emerging within the property industry. Brought to you in partnership with Property District, your industry communications partner. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Patrick O'Toole, Managing Director of Mehal Architects with bases in Dublin, Cork and Kerry. Patrick, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome today.
1: Thank you, Carol. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Really, um, I've re- really enjoyed some of the some of your other podcasts in this series. So well done!
0: Ah, uh, thank you so much, Patrick. Well, look, I'm delighted you're in a position to join us today. And Metal Architects, you've got a uh, you've got a, a number, you've got quite a variety to the practice there. And obviously, housing is is so topical at the moment. You know, we'll certainly move on to that. But you're doing some interesting work in healthcare and hospitality. Um, you might just maybe talk us through some of the projects in your healthcare pipeline right now, because obviously on foot of COVID nineteen, and even before that, we could see that there was a move um, to to increase healthcare, not just in terms of state, but primary care centres and private healthcare. So, what area are you working at the moment?
1: Um, again, Carol, thanks for the opportunity to come and talk to you. Um, you know, the, the the healthcare piece is interesting, and you've put your finger on it. There's been a there's been a renewed impetus on the primary. Healthcare infrastructure post COVID. Um, everyone got distracted with the emergency response to COVID. Obviously, I know that that's hopefully Touchwood calming down. Um, even though we still had to buy a COVID test kit during the week, in the office. But anyway, um, so, that, so certainly there's certainly been a very vigorous, renewed uh, refocusing on the part of the HSC on the primary care infrastructure. So we've really seen a lot of energy go back into that space. So we've. We have a number of, of primary care centres on site and at planning around the country, and that's that's great to see because that's been a that's been a very slow moving animal. I mean, the the, the primary care, the 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 initial idea behind primary care goes back to Mary Harney's time, if you believe it. Um, so it's uh, it is wonderful to finally see the the you know the the the, the, the beginnings of a of a real. You know, commitment to relocate primary care in in smaller communities around the country.
0: Yeah, and and certainly, obviously, that that you know, I I mentioned there that housing is the main event, but obviously, housing can't um, can't exist in isolation. You know, we uh-huh. need to get the education, we need to get the primary and secondary schools, the healthcare, and and all of the other infrastructure that sits alongside uh-huh. that.
1: Oh, housing housing is only one of the ingredients in 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 properly placemaking making community. so you're absolutely right um, everything well, needs to move in tandem
0: I'm glad you positioned it as placemaking because certainly that's the that's um how we would see it you know in terms of housing delivery uh e- housing delivery is probably the simplest part if we could get the other placemaking elements and the infrastructure right um mm-hmm. and so you know it, it, actually earlier in the show we've spoken to um the housing infrastructure Company And that's certainly an interesting, that's an interesting new proposition, one that's going to get rid of some of the obstacles, some of the challenges to new housing delivery and really unlock residential delivery. But there's so much more involved and it needs to come from both the public and private sector. Now, I know through Metal Architects, you're involved in some of the largest and some of the probably smaller placemaking projects around the country. So the one I'm particularly keen to talk to you about today Um, There's a lot of funding gone in, state efforts and funding gone into unlocking what Simon Coveney in his tenure as housing minister positioned as the fifth pillar, you know, the using underused stock, Mm. identifying underused stock. And um, that that probably got a little bit forgotten after his tenure, but it's definitely back in full focus now. So in terms of focusing on dereliction and underused spaces, what is the what is your firm doing right now to tackle that?
1: That's a that's a great and complicated question. Um look, I think everyone understands we've collectively painted ourselves into a corner in relation to a shortfall in the provision of housing. And you know, we we, you know, as a as a as a country, as a profession, as an industry, we need to use every arrow in the quiver to fix it. Um the macro stuff, the 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 big ticket schemes, um, you know a, a policy change at governmental level um, might become activity on the ground four or five years later uh, so the interesting thing about the the vacant stock we have is uh, you know, that's a there's the, that that's the low-hanging fruit in relation to addressing this in in a in a, in a quick way so the you know the the there's somewhere between, depending on which statistics you, you use, there's somewhere between 90,000 and 200,000 vacant or underused properties around the country. Um, you know, we I know we don't have the 2022 census statistics yet, but you know we can rely on the 2016 ones. There's, we have 200 communities in the country with more than 1,500 people. We have over 450 communities with over 500 people. All of those are credible communities and settlements. Um, all of those have vacant stock, all of those have a, a private and a social housing demand. Um, it really is the low-hanging fruit. Uh, as um, I said, I, if, 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 if our minister, if, and, and again, everyone is doing fantastic work. Um, but the difficulty is pace, Carol. You know, A, a, a good idea at government, a good well-funded idea at government, by the time it becomes manifest on the ground as a home for someone the it's it's three four or five years
0: but well, why is why is it taking so long and and by the way I, I think we should break it down rather than talking about dereliction and vacancy i would see them as being very different things mm-hmm. and they're they're very different uh properties uh and therefore will probably require a very different approach so let's look at actually just vacancy at the moment um why is it taking so long to turn those around? Because as you've rightly said, actually in terms of a housing budget, hmm. uh, we have never allocated so much to housing. Yeah. And yet there is not just so little being delivered on the ground, but you're you you mentioned it there in terms of very long delays. So where are the blocks from a time when funding is is being allocated? to actually homes being made available and being brought back into use Where are so, the delay
1: so 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 specifically in relation to standing stock be it vacant or derelict um the well first of all it's it's a it's 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 availability of opportunity you know i think we're 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 you know we're stuck in a system whereby there's a bias towards penalizing inactivity rather than, rather than incentivizing action you know so the notion that the derelict sites register or policing vacancy or dereliction is going to unlock opportunities, that's uh, I, that's not that's that's not that's not credible. Um so the the there's actually a while 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 we have a a vast stock of vacant derelict properties, I mean the number of opportunities are are, are few and far between. And I think people and that's that's a very that's a function of a number of a number of different issues. Um, but First and foremost, I don't think the industry believes that they're commercially credible or viable. Um, taking on a taking on a, an older property and tackling all of the the top down statutory approval processes uh, is difficult. And you know, the, the larger developer clients we have would they prefer to would they prefer to busy themselves with um, a, a greenfield new build site, or busy themselves with all of the problems that come with Difficult uh, urban sites. Um, it'll be the former, not 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 the latter.
0: Where does that feed into? But where does that feed into our sustainability strategy as a country? Uh,
1: in, in in well, there's nothing more sustainable than recycling what we have. Um, so the the and the sustainability question is another one. There's a, when, you know, when you're dealing with older buildings, there's a list of you know there's, there's I think we have to start distinguish, distinguishing between the must-haves and nice-to-haves. Um, so if I was to if I was to bullet point an answer to your question, it's a very complicated question, but if there is an opportunity to address a vacant or derelict building in a, a town, a village, or city, um, I think the fact that we have a very democratic system of, of planning and statutory approvals is a problem. It is the one-size-fits-all means a smaller... Uh, you know, a smaller opportunity in a town in Tipperary has the same processes to go through than a than a than a large PRS scheme in 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 in, a, in, a, in the Greater Dublin area. So it's um we we, we speak about it often. Uh, we've uh, my, my colleagues and I always always bounce it around, and you know it's it it's it's um it's not popular to say it, but there's a and and it's not the job of the architect to um to devise. Uh, policy, but certainly a a defederalizing of process um, and a bottom up as opposed to a top down way to get through these difficult projects would would be transformative.
0: Um, We have been promised we've been promised radical overhaul of our uh, of our planning regime. And do you think that that's do you think that's likely at all or are you seeing more of the same?
1: it's again and, and I, I don't mean to criticize anything because there, there are loads of good people in in every aspect of the system in the in the professions in the industry uh, in 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 the department um, and again as as a practitioner on the ground you know, someone with my sleeves rolled up as a professional um, it, it it i suppose the, the difficulty we see is people pulling against each other with loads of of expertise lots of energy and hard work and Different aspects, of the different, different, uh, the, the different participants in the process, very much sitting in their own silos. Carol, um, so the 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 promise of wholesale planning reform that presumes the planning system is this one-stop, one stop uh, one, shot, one, one size one-size-fits-all system. Um, I think we need to start with understanding there are. There are different categories of activity in the building, and this we don't need the same set of rules for a large PRS scheme in Dublin as you do to try and rescue a a, a, a building in Char- you mentioned Mayo earlier. You know, rescue an old bank in in, in Charlestown or Mayo or something.
0: And um, I I think you summed it up very well at the start of the interview there, where you said that collectively we've painted ourselves into a corner in terms of housing delivery. I I think that's very accurate. It's also quite depressing when you look at it like that but actually we can see at a micro level there are some really interesting things happening and i know metal architects have been involved in some of those so you've partnered with some of the approved housing bodies particularly um the peter mcvery trust and focus ireland mm. um so you might just talk to us about some of the projects that are currently underway there
1: it's it's uh it's interesting you mention both of those because we actually uh, each of the last two weeks had a had a had a, had a, had a uh, an opening so we were in Charleville in North Cork great agrarian town um where 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 the Tornish to opened 10 Peter mcvery Trust apartments in uh, an old school which had lain derelict for 30 years and um we uh, the Focus Ireland um opened 16 apartments in again in Cork City Centre in a building which had the upper floors of which had lain idle and underused for for a living memory, um,
0: and was that a what, what kind of building did Focus Ireland uh, renovate?
1: So again, that, that's a that's a that's a late nineteenth century um, uh, streetscape building in Cork City, and again, one, one of those buildings. What does one do with it? Uh, nothing, unless unless you can. And so that, that so the, 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 those are encouraging, and that's that's an example of what should be happening. You know, putting people with a with a. The, you know, housing need some of whom obviously the a lot of the you know very trust and focused clients are housing first clients so they need some social supports or um they need an infrastructure around them so to have those people back in in um, in the middle of towns and cities are is great um, yeah there they were so so we so we had um there were, there were so there were two success stories in the last two weeks but the the, the, the the this this speaks to what i was talking about in terms of our experience of procuring those um those projects are, you know, getting a client interested in doing them is the first challenge because they're commercially very, very marginal. Um, and then the fact that those processes, th- those projects have to go through the same processes as something much more substantial is a frustration for everyone. Um, it impacts on cost, it impacts on, on the commercial viability, but it impacts on the ability of those older buildings to be unlocked quickly to become housing for people who need it. Um, so the, the, the Charleville project start to finish was 20 months. If, if, if we'd had a few process reprieves, it could have been 10. And the Grand Parade project is something similar.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think it's so interesting when we're seeing commercial uh, buildings or, or buildings that had at one point commercial use being brought into residential use. And we've seen actually the approved housing body sector has absolutely taken the lead on this. I know Tua Housing have done some amazing projects in both Dublin and Cork mm. like mm. this. And I, I think the old school in Charleville there um, by the Peter Vary Trust is a great example because they're the types of buildings mm. that we see in rural and regional areas. Um, all around the country. And yep. these are, are projects that actually there are many residential home buyers who would have liked to take on projects like that. But actually, the mortgage companies aren't as comfortable with individual buyers taking mm. on projects like that. But we have seen a couple of examples in Tolo and other places or in, in County Carlo and County Wexford where actually. Old school buildings were taken over for private homes, small, small rural schools that might have been two teacher schools being taken over. But again, it's bringing back into use. And, you know, this is this is a this is not an Irish trend. (coughs) Excuse me. This is very much a global trend. You know, we're seeing with the changes in the last number of years particularly around commercial use, that the future of the the office is still very much under discussion. We know how we use office space is absolutely changing. We don't know yet where that's going to land in terms of the volume of space we use uh, or what that space in turn is going to look like. But what we can see globally is there's a trend to look at commercial buildings, previously office buildings, and say, can these be put into residential use and what will it take what would be required, and I, I, I absolutely accept what you're saying there in terms of the industry maybe seeing these as um, viably challenging projects to take the, on. The, the,
1: that, 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 that's an interesting, again, it, it all comes down to different different categories of opportunity. Um, we've certainly seen, and we are working on a number of those where those, 1970s, those older generation office buildings are very convertible to residential accommodation. Planning policy has kind of understood now that, as you said, there's either a change in how people are going to work, or a desire for next-generation office space. So those those jaded office buildings, um, certainly they're all really well located. Inevitably, um, to speak to your, your sustainability point, I mean the best use of it, the, the the most sustainable thing we can do is 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 to reuse. So we certainly have, we, we've certainly a lot of those on, and that's been a trend for the last six months. Um, so th- though I mean, everything is difficult in the current environment, but those aren't as difficult as the those regional town uh, uh, buildings which are really struggling, there's always an alternative use in the city. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a challenge to convince someone to tackle a vacant or derelict property in a secondary or tertiary settlement. Um, so the, I think that that's that that, that 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 that's the real low-hanging fruit. If we could if we could figure that out, if we could, if we could figure out some way to incentivize real action in, in people tackling uh, those those you know, those infill opportunities in those small to medium sized settlements, that could have a t- transformative impact on housing numbers. We're only, I mean, we're all applauding ourselves that we we might build twenty eight or thirty thousand homes this year. 7000 of those homes are going to be one-off houses in the countryside. We we as a, as 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 a country we build the same number of one-off houses every year whether it's the the trough of recession or the peak peak of Celtic tiger. So then there's 22 or 23000 uh, homes left. Um the the there's there's a the, the state in some form or other are supporting 11 or 12000 of those. We're not we're just full stop we're not building enough homes in the we're left with a net private housing provision of 11,000 units per year. Um
0: and, and so that the, well that figure is probably conservative. Uh, taking the T- Shark's most recent acknowledgement that right now there's there's demand for a quarter of a million new homes in Ireland. So that makes it very conservative. But in terms of those older buildings you're talking about, it feels to me like the, this is a very solvable problem. So for example, you know you referenced an old bank building and I I, I absolutely take your point in secondary and tertiary towns um, where there aren't the same number of uses, uh, that, that it can be more challenging. But actually, over the last, even before COVID, so you know, possibly over the last five, six, seven years, we've seen a wave of co-working spaces and coffee shops no. going into banks as they're being vacated. So it doesn't feel like a stretch to be able to turn those into housing. And we've seen actually in terms of, you know, I, I think it's interesting. You've mentioned a few times in the interview that it doesn't make sense that you know, uh, a small building like that that might maybe want to turn into four units has to go through the same process as a, a large development. But actually, we have seen the the we have seen legislators acknowledge um, the decline of rural pubs and do something about that. So actually, is there something similar that could be done with other buildings that aren't pubs to bring them back into commercial well, no, into I, I,
1: I, I, use? To to, to 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 be fair, and again that they're, they're, they're I. I, I it's, it's it's easy to criticise, so it's it's important to keep acknowledging there are great people, great ideas, great momentum. There's a lot of good things happening. Um, the we we did have we did have very good legislation in 2018 that allowed certain categories of unused buildings to be converted to residential accommodation without planning permission. Um, that was extended a little while ago to to capture up the the, the pubs in in. In the in the qualifying use for conversion, so there's, those are all good things. That's a good start. You know, uh, 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 allowing allowing one to leapfrog a planning process for the provision of nine units or fewer in a in a vacant commercial building is a good start. But planning is only one of the statutory processes. Carol, you know, we have we have fire safety certification, we have disability access certification, we have all of the building control. Um, the BCMS processes, we have, we have the, 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 the requirements for, for Part L compliance and or all of which are good and necessary, but the, the fact that we've got this one-size-fits-all system, there has to be a way to compress or compact the requirement to comply with those on those smaller projects, rather than have to go through the, the full protocol rigmarole that a larger project has to go through. Um, so we did a very interesting conversation with a with a, a local authority official last week about um, one of the local authorities making making a representation to to the to the department um, the notion of an area champion for example you know if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're going to if we're going to you, know, you you speak about the need for wholesale planning reform in terms of this bottom up stuff the low hanging fruit that is the that is the building stock that we already have you know an area champion with, with with executive powers to allow those proceed. And I know there's the beginnings of it with the with the town centre first initiative and everything, but um, if 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 we could if we could mandate uh, key individuals in the local authorities to have almost an executive function to allow things proceed um, on the basis of. And I know the notion of the profession certifying things is unpopular, um, and the, the new building control system we have since 2014 is 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 all about is all about accountability um you know post post priory hall um but the the i don't think we should be afraid of self-certification competent professionals competent people in the industry um delivering product without the requirement to go through all of those micro processes on projects which are which don't as i said we 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 finished two apartments in tollo for the peter maveri trust um uh it, it it took again it took nearly two years start to finish that was an existing building it could have been done in six months if there was you know a, a more what's the word I'm looking for um more congenial way to get through the processes
0: and um, Patrick is it would it be accurate to say that in terms of, building control and in our quest for standards, some of which could arguably be said to be politically motivated in response to some high profile uh to some high high profile failings. Would it be would it be accurate to say that we've overcorrected in terms of the compliance burdens now that we're putting on the industry?
1: Um my, my, our office here is 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 uh is like the United Nations. We have Germans and Spanish and Croatians and Brazilians and you know we we've the World Cup was interesting. Um, the my international colleagues here would will, will tell me we have the most rigorous building control standards uh, of any of the jurisdictions they're from. Um, that
0: sounds, but that sounds like a good thing, is it? it or is it a barrier? Uh, standards are good, but they can't be a barrier to delivery.
1: Um, they've driven cost, Carol. And again, I'm not the I'm not the quantity surveying or cost professional, but they but they've certainly driven cost. Um, the the we 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 have different people have different views on this. Um, I think we have a very 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 robust building control uh, uh, compliance system and a particularly tight set of standards in relation to. All aspects of building regulations, disabled access, sustainability, uh, uh, thermal performance. We 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 have we have. Uh, what does one of my colleagues in the office say here when the when the e issue when the EU issue a directive, the Irish jump up and best boy in class. We, we legislate for it. Whereas the the Italians we, kind of look at it and go. We think about it in the French protest.
0: Have we have we overcorrected?
1: Um. Uh, the I. Uh, Irish new building stock is some of the best new building stock in Europe. And again, that has issues in relation to the cost of delivering it and the time in delivering it. Um, The point I'm making in terms of the the, the agenda for this conversation, which is regeneration and renewal of of standing stock in towns, cities, and villages around the country, um, I think uh, might be unpopular to say it. I think we could relax the standards a little in relation to that category of activity.
0: Um, I, I think of that expression "perfect is the enemy of done."
1: Yeah, and
0: um, we are certainly in danger of that. But um, I, I like something y- you mentioned earlier there, and that is like an area champion. But I'm conscious that we have a vacant a vacant homes officer within mm. every local authority. Mm. Surely that person should be our area area champion. And actually, surely our elected representatives and the director of services of every local authority surely our local authorities are our area champions um you know where where is the breakdown where's the breakdown where are we failing on this
1: again there's it, it we spoke about it earlier there are there are really talented well meaning people in every strand of the process but there's there's a there's a lack of joined up thinking um, there's lots of good work being done that doesn't connect with good work being done in parallel. Um, so the you know the, the at a local level, um, it's it's the the old analogy some of my my engineer colleagues would would use is um, the, the transition from the local authority being responsible for public water infrastructure to Irish water being responsible for public water infrastructure. About 15 years ago the engineer picked up the phone, to the, to the to the to the to the to the the professional in the council who knew the who knew the network like the back of his hand and now he's dealing with Irish Water and that that the you know at at that regional level where relationships and and you know shared knowledge is important uh, we 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 we've lost that I think so the notion of you know, in those smaller settlements we spoke about the, the 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 towns the villages as opposed to the as opposed to the Dublin Cork Limerick Galway Waterford um, urban centres. Uh, Someone with, a, some, someone with with the knowledge of all stakeholders in the process and the individual peculiarities of the area, I think would be a very, very useful asset. So, so assigning someone whose job it is to, and again, unpopular to say it, allow someone in an executive function to make decisions on a local level um, might be transformative.
0: Um, it, it, look, it's an interesting one to close on. Before we finish up today, what is in the the, the current pipeline for mahal Architects over the next kind of a uh, twelve to eighteen months?
1: As I said, we're 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 we're, we're really lucky. We're you know, um, I read a, I read an obituary of Ronnie Tallon, whom I worked with as a graduate uh, uh, a long time ago. Uh, over the weekend, um, his, his wife had passed away, actually. So they 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 mentioned Ronnie's obituary for 2014, I think. And um, Ronnie Tallon said he'd never worked his life. Uh, 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 so the we 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 feel like that. We're lucky. We're doing very interesting work, um, an awful lot of housing and an awful lot of very interesting housing. As I said, the 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 large scale housing we have we've we've I think we have a portfolio of about three thousand homes on site or in planning at the moment, Carol, across the country. Very very busy with that, and it's a pleasure to see things finishing. But I think the things we get most satisfaction from are days like that um, that that um. That Friday afternoon in Cork City with Sister Stanislas Kennedy uh, at the focus opening um, and seeing people moving in uh, was an absolute pleasure. And it, you know, it, we, we, people come to work, they confront difficult processes, um, uh, bureaucratic challenges, and it's days like that that um, certainly uh, make it worthwhile.
0: That well, that's a very positive one to hear, and I think it's interesting that you that you note uh the work of Ronnie Talon because obviously Talon the name um actually is from the ground, so essentially it's a it's a family legacy that starts as potato farmers, yeah working the land to someone of his caliber actually transforming how we use the land, so it's a nice uh. It's a nice journey of transition. Um, so that's an interesting one, but also hopefully something that will that uh, will give us a little bit of hope that we are going to see this turnaround. Although I, I absolutely take on board what you're saying about um, maybe the, the reform that is needed and maybe that reform needs to be more at a, at a local level or local empowerment. I I
1: think I think it needs to be more granular reform. You know, we we we. we we need more specific solutions right like we have policy coming out our ears we have housing for all we have the vacancy dereliction and regeneration bill with the town center first with the urdf i can keep going you know um we uh lots of things pulling in different directions so um no granular reform rather than uh rather than macro blue sky thinking reform
0: well yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, as you said, is how it will be heard. It's not always the case, but certainly we'd like to, to think that that could be it. And thank you so much for joining us today, Patrick. That was Patrick O'Toole, Managing Director of Mehal Architects. And um, my thanks to producer Kate Talon and to the production team here at Hear Me Roar Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all of the other construction and real estate shows on iProperty Radio. Huge thanks to our show sponsor, Property District, your industry communications partner for making these conversations possible. And thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Property Roundup on iProperty Radio.